This episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast is brought to you by Swenson Real Estate, service before self. With over 30 years experience, they've seen it all. Contact Jeff and Lorena today at 406-253-0033. That's 406-253-0033. Swenson Real Estate, service before self. Hello, and welcome to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm Micah Drew. In November 2020, Montana voters approved a ballot initiative to legalize recreational marijuana for adults over the age of 21. After a month of deliberation, the Montana legislature finally passed a bill carrying out the voters' will, but it was not without contention. This week, the Flathead Beacon cover story, titled The New Frontier of Legal Marijuana, takes a look at how the legislature shaped the law that will implement recreational adult-use cannabis. I reported on the story, so my colleague Andy Viana will be joining the podcast and we will be discussing the nuances of the law, how it differs from what voters approved last year, and what can be expected for future cannabis users. If you haven't already read the piece, I encourage you to head to flatheadbeacon.com or pick up a print edition of the Flathead Beacon on newsstands throughout Northwest Montana. First of all, a reminder that this podcast is made possible in part by the members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, and they do so for as little as $5 per month. Plus, they get some extra perks too. To find out more or join today, check out beaconeditorsclub.com. Today I'm joined by Flathead Beacon staff writer and regular podcast host Andy Viano, and I turn things over to him. And this week in the Flathead Beacon, our cover story is written by your podcast host for this week and my colleague Micah Drew. It is the new frontier of legal marijuana. Micah, uh, thanks for joining the podcast in the uh, in the hot seat. Of course. Thanks for coming and helping us out up here. So let's go back to last November. Um, it was a pretty significant election season. Uh, we uh, voted in a new president. We had some significant changes in the government in the state of Montana. Um, and there were also two initiatives on the ballot regarding the legalization of recreational marijuana. What, to refresh everyone's memory, was at stake? Uh, what were the ballot initiatives about and, and what did the voters decide? So there were two ballot initiatives. Um, one was a ballot initiative. One was technically a constitutional initiative. Uh, the ballot initiative is the one most people are probably familiar with initiative. It was I-190, um, which basically just legalized recreational marijuana for adult users. There was also a constitutional initiative, which just established the legal age for marijuana use. Um, it put that legal age at 21, so the same as for alcohol. And both of those passed by pretty comfortable margins. Uh, I believe one was uh, passed by 57% and the other by 58%. So with those two combined, as of the beginning of this year, recreational marijuana is now legal for uh, adults in, in the state of Montana. And what what did that mean? Because I think there there was some... Not confusion, but I mean, you see that ballot initiative pass, and I imagine there were some people who woke up the next morning going, "Okay, I can go out to the dispensary and uh, and get myself some some legal recreational weed." That, of course, was not the case. So, so what had to happen, and 
and what I guess is still ongoing because even today, as we sit here in the middle of May, uh, you cannot go out to your local dispensary and, and do that. So like everything that uh, tends to come through the, the legislative session um, or any of these uh, government efforts, it's, it's not exactly simple. It's a little complicated. So the initiative as written uh, legalized recreational marijuana as of January 1st of this year, but it did push back the sale and basically the business side of the legal uh, marijuana industry back one full year. And that was pretty much to allow the legislative session, which we just wrapped up, to sit down, discuss what was happening, and basically figure out how they were going to implement this, come up with all the rules, come up with all the nuances, the regulation, you know, tier systems for the dispensaries, how they were going to regulate that. So, so you can't buy in the state for another year. The other thing that people have had some uh, misunderstandings about is the language of the ballot initiative beyond the basic legalizing marijuana part is, is not very binding. So the initiative as written set up the way that revenue from, from the taxing of, of legal marijuana was going to be used. And a lot of that was going to be sent towards uh, conservation projects or to state parks, fish, wildlife and parks, and then to some veterans assistance programs. And that is what a lot of people, I think, heard about. And it may have helped rally a lot of support for the bill. Uh, but it was pointed out very quickly in the legislature that uh, a ballot initiative cannot constitutionally apportion out funding that way. And so part of the legislative session was figuring out actually how that revenue is going to be used, how it's going to be divided out. Um, and that was... Uh, Something that I think people were not were not aware of that they voted for this, maybe thinking that, hey, I get legal weed, that's great. We also might have extra funding for for state parks or for these other programs, and people might not have realized that that's not actually uh, what we get on top of it. That, that's such an interesting part of it to me, and I know that one of the legislators you spoke to for this story, I believe it, it was Derek Skies from from right here mm -hmm. in Kalispell, had some thoughts on the fact that the ballot initiative was was allowed to be written that way. Why was it done that way when, like you say, those those were words were really no better than, than just a suggestion for how the money gets spent? So ballot initiatives are not often written by, by legislators. Uh, so depending on who writes it or which lobbyist groups are involved, the exact understanding of, of what kind of language you need versus what is constitutionally allowed to happen in a ballot initiative versus which powers remain with the, the legislative branch of the government. It's, it's kind of a, a hazy area. But um, yes, I was talking to uh, Representative Skies, and he, along with other members of the legislature, don't think that it was a fair way to pass this measure through the, the voter base. He, he said repeatedly that he doesn't think there's actually that much support for legal recreational marijuana. But there's definitely support for conservation programs and for veterans programs in the state. And he kind of thought this was like a sleight of hand, bait and switch way to, to get people to support a measure that maybe wouldn't have passed otherwise. Uh, there's no real data on that. We can't say for certain one way or the other. But people went to the polls and that language was on there. And so it definitely could have persuaded some people one way or the other. Regardless, legal marijuana is here. That is the, the new law of the land. And as it turned out, a little bit of money will be going towards, towards some of those programs. 
Yeah, let's get into that. So, so what did the legislature ultimately decide about how this tax revenue is going to be apportioned? Uh, so the legislature considered three separate bills uh, related to, to marijuana implementation. Um, all three were put forth by Republicans, um, and all three of them had slightly different visions of, of how this was going to go. Derek Skies, our representative from Kalispell, was one of them, uh, which was interesting because he initially... Uh, had a draft bill meant to repeal the initiative back even before the November election. Uh, he was very confident that that's not how, not the direction Montana should go. But he had a bill that was relatively straightforward. It set up uh, a lot of the tax revenue to fund uh, substance abuse programs, recovery programs, basically trying to address what he believes are going to be the major negative side effects of of legal marijuana. The other bill that uh, and the bill that actually ended up passing um, was put forth by Representative Hopkins out of Missoula. And his bill had, I believe, about 50 co-sponsors in the legislature to start. So it had a lot of support. And it also had the full backing of Governor Gianforte. And the way that that bill is set up is the first $6 million of tax revenue goes into a special fund. It's called the Heart Fund. And it is specifically designed to help with uh, substance abuse treatment. Um, and recovery. And then beyond that $6 million, uh, money starts to go elsewhere. So there's a uh, 20% of tax revenue will go to Fish, Wildlife and Parks. Um, and it's going to go specifically to the Habitat Montana Fund, which helps fund conservation easements. And then 4% goes each to the state park funds, uh, trails and recreational facilities, and then non-game wildlife. And those were just last minute additions that the Senate passed through. Initially, there was virtually no funding towards these conservation programs, which uh, a lot of people during the session spoke out against because, again, that's how the initial ballot initiative was written, was with all these funding programs. And then everything else beyond that, there's a little bit that will go towards the Veterans and Surviving Spouses Fund. A little bit goes towards the Crime Board and to the Department of Justice to work uh, kind of on the legal side of things, deal with expungement of people's records and anything like that. And then everything else goes into the general fund. There's still some contentious voices, I would say, about funneling this money into the general fund. A lot of uh, people more on the, the Republican side of the aisle, I think, have the idea that if you channel this extra money into the general fund, it, it seems like the budget suddenly grows, even though we have no idea how much revenue is going to come in the first year, the second year. We can you can predict based off of other states that have that have already legalized marijuana, but it's kind of an unknown. So there was a lot of back and forth. There was a little bit of compromising, but uh, ultimately, just the last days of of the session, they passed through what is the current bill. It's been signed by the governor, and we have at least a structure going forward. Well, let's talk about then what what happens now. And, and we spent a little bit of time talking about Representative Skies and maybe some of the other skeptics of legal marijuana. There are plenty of proponents, including, as you say, the vast majority of voters in this state. Now, you talked to some folks uh, involved in the medical marijuana field here locally. What, what are advocates saying both about the, the way this is going to be implemented? And I guess just more broadly, how do they feel about the fact that, that Montana is going to join what is now a growing number of states that, that allow marijuana to be sold uh, on the legal open market? Across the board, especially with people in the industry, I think people are, are very excited. 
one of the things that happens when marijuana is legalized recreationally is that uh, you take down a little bit of the, the stigma surrounding medical marijuana. There's always been a hesitancy, even though Montana has had medical marijuana for almost a decade now. There's been a hesitancy of knowing that this is still a uh, an illegal drug statewide and federally, and so there's a little bit of a of a stigma there, and um, a lot of people think that that has stopped some patients from from using uh, marijuana on the medicinal side. So there's a lot of excitement that maybe this will take down a few more um, of those stigmas. Um, people will be educated a little more, and so as a medicine, it might see a growing a growing patient base. In addition, just just some of the businesses. I mean, if you're if you're assuming that ten percent of of Montanans will use marijuana recreationally, that's a hundred thousand people in the state that are suddenly going to be going to these businesses. That's a a huge boost. I mean, in any business, um, if you have that kind of of uptick in in a customer base, um, so people are excited about that. There's also the idea that you know if you're moving away from the black market, away from the illicit market where people go to an abandoned parking lot and trade uh, some money for a bag full of weed. If you're going away from that to, you know, a dispensary where it's, you know, staffed by very well-informed people, the product undergoes rigorous quality control. It's, it's a bit of a safer product. And so people are excited about that. You know, there's the regulations are good. The product will be a higher quality. So I think across the board, people are really excited. Like it is exciting times in the, in this state and great job on this piece of the new frontier of legal marijuana. I will let you get back to your hosting duties, but thanks for, uh, thanks for chatting. Of course. Thanks for coming up and discussing with me. We'll be right back. And before we get to this week's headlines, Dr. Mark Remington of Glacier Eye Clinic has a message from our sponsor this week. I've known Jeff for probably around 20 years. Very good friend of mine. He's helped me both personally and professionally in the real estate market. He is super ethical, super knowledgeable. He's prompt. He'll return your calls and he'll steer you in the right direction. As a friend, he's been service before self. Contact Swenson Real Estate at 406-253-0033 today. And now here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 6 p.m. Tuesday, May 18th. On Thursday, May 13th, a party of cyclists from Big Fork were trapped between two avalanches that buried portions of Going to the Sun Road in Glacier National Park. Park rangers had to execute a roped rescue operation and were able to safely belay the bikers across the avalanche fields. The bikers were near triple arches after an avalanche path forced them to turn back downhill. Soon after starting back down, they encountered a second avalanche in progress. One biker was past the slide and was able to go for help. It took several hours before it was safe for rangers to execute the rescue operation. Park officials advise all hikers and bikers to be aware of changing weather and snow conditions and heed all warnings and road closures. Elsewhere, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Natural Resources Conservation Service released a water supply outlook for northwest Montana, which showed that stream flows in Montana are likely to be just below average after a dry March and April. The Flathead River saw only a 92% of normal snowpack this year, but water supply specialists say river volumes in northwest Montana are faring better than in most areas of the state. 
Throughout Montana, snow at lower elevations is melting out at a faster rate than normal this year, which could indicate a dry summer ahead. In Kalispell, the city council is proposing a $104 million budget to fund municipal operations for the 2022 fiscal year. This is significantly greater than the previous 2021 fiscal year budget of $82.5 million. According to the preliminary documents, the budget has more expenditures than revenue for the fiscal year, but most of those are one-time costs at higher-than-anticipated balances. City officials say that this reflects a period of growth and development in the upcoming year, with great emphasis on investing in infrastructure. The Core Area Trail, or the Parkline Trail, is also planned for construction this summer, which takes a significant toll on the budget as the city is recommending using funds over and above the 20% reserve policy. The city is also planning to add six full-time positions across public works, police, fire, and parks and recreation. Montana's 11th District Court will add a fifth judge in January 2023, bringing an additional jurist to Flathead County to help manage the nearly 6,000 new and reopened cases that flow through the district every year. County residents will select the new judge during the November 2022 general election, with the winner of that race taking their seat on January 2nd of the following year. State administrators have long identified Flathead County as a spot where an additional judge was needed. Since 2017, an annual analysis published by the Montana Supreme Court has estimated that Flathead County is at least two judges short of what is needed in order to properly manage and consider all matters before the court. In 2020, there were 5,790 cases either opened or reopened in Flathead County. This is a sizable jump of more than 1,000 since 2009, the last time a new judge was added. And finally, a new exhibit is on display at the Northwest Montana History Museum, which highlights several influential musicians from the Valley's past alongside historical instruments. Museum Executive Director Jacob Thomas hopes that the exhibit will open the public's eyes to some of the local legacies in the Flathead and the vibrant history of music in the area. The exhibit, called Making Music, Hitting the High Notes with Music and Artists from Big Sky Country, will be on display Monday through Friday throughout the summer. That is our show for this week. You can read more about all of these stories and catch the latest breaking news for free on our newly redesigned website, flatheadbeacon.com. Until next week... Thanks for listening.